0: Welcome to the new normal from Spotlight On. I'm your host, Lawrence Purrier. I'm especially excited about today's guest. Not only is she someone I've wanted to talk to for a while, but she's been requested repeatedly by several listeners over the last week or so. Sherry Yu is an award-winning writer and researcher who specializes in analyzing, tracking, and critiquing innovation in the global music business. Her email newsletter, Water and Music, is a must-read that reaches nearly 6,000 subscribers weekly at all levels of the music industry and beyond. When much of what passes for journalism in the music business is repurposed press releases or contrived corporate propaganda, Sherry is a credible, independent voice, much sought after as a writer, speaker, and analyst in both commercial and academic settings. It's a pleasure to bring you Sherry's perspective on the new normal. A quick aside. If any sonic oddities arise during this discussion, blame COVID-19. It's forcing us into less than optimal production circumstances. And now, on to my discussion with Sherry Yu. Hello. Hello.
1: Hi. Hi, Lawrence. Great to meet you. Hi.
0: It's great to meet you, Sherry. How are you? Yes, yeah.
1: good, good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well, thank you. Um, how are the people in your world?
1: Uh, they're doing all well, I think. Yeah, thankfully. Um, yeah. I, so I'm just in... I'm based in Brooklyn normally, so I'm still in Brooklyn. Um, and yeah, I've just been inside mostly for the past uh, couple of weeks. And then my parents were in, um, in Westchester, which was actually like one of the, uh, I guess, epicenters of the outbreak in New York. It was like Manhattan, and, or not actually Manhattan, New York City and Westchester County. And so they have moved to my aunt's place in Maryland. They moved pretty early on actually. Like in early yeah. March, and they've just been there ever since. And yeah, they're still doing well, thankfully. Um, yeah, I guess we're all just hanging on <laughs> and yeah. monitoring the situation. Yeah.
0: So um, it seems like you know you've jumped right in and met the situation um, with uh, what I perceive to be your normal curiosity and mm-hmm. uh, and insight. It looks like the first topic you chose to uh, tackle, as it relation as it relates to the COVID situation, um, is this notion of how Work from home and remote working might uh, might or might not become a more permanent fixture of the music business. How did that become the the your entry point to
1: this? Yeah, um yeah, it was one of many entry points that I was thinking about in in this climate. I guess there has been a lot of attention given to how the artist fan relationship is changing um, in this environment, given that touring is no longer available as an outlet, like how does that? Um, the manifest online, and I realized there were like inklings of the same conversation, but not as much as I think there should there should have been um, behind the scenes as well. Just in terms of how people in the music industry, which is such a relationship driven business, at least traditionally, it's a very networking driven business, um, very like emotion and communication heavy. How does that all happen online? Once, whether it's like if you're like promoting an album to industry like curators or DJs, where you normally go to their office, now all that is happening online. Um, like, what is that, what's the impact of that on, um, you know, artists' marketing strategy or their plans for the next couple of weeks or months? Um, also just, uh, yeah, like, how, how do people make decisions and how do people communicate in general in their day-to-day work um, once everything shifts online and what kinds of companies are most or least impacted by that? Or maybe, like, uh, which companies are better uh, better suited to adapt to a fully remote setup? And then the more I thought about it, the more, I guess, like deeper questions came to mind in terms of this is not unique to the music industry, but I think it's especially relevant. Things like the concentration of opportunities in general, like if you think really long term or like really historically, traditionally you have like music cities in the U.S., like uh, Los Angeles, New York, Nashville, Atlanta, to an extent now where opportunities are really concentrated and like relationship building was really concentrated the point where people still say today, if you're an artist or you wanna work in the music industry, LA is like one of the best places to be. But now we're in a situation where for like, as long as a couple of months, people like don't have that geographic barrier anymore, which could be a good thing in terms of people who are in a situation to hire, how they access talent and how open they make that opportunity. You don't have to fly to one of these like highly concentrated cities um, to do an interview. Like everything can happen online. Yeah, maybe that's uh, like more optimistic, but yeah, I do think that it'll open up the playing field for people from cities where like opportunities aren't as frequent um, to just get the attention of everyone who's just spending so much more time online. So that's one element of that as well.
0: What industry segments or what type of companies did you find or are you feeling are more ideally suited to adapt?
1: Yeah, uh, in terms of the shift to remote work in general, I think the major streaming companies were some of the first to mandate close to all of their employees, if not all of them right off the bat to work from home and work remotely. And I think, I think they compared to many other companies in music are better suited to adapt. Um, even if they're at the size of a company like, uh, Spotify or SoundCloud, which were some of the first companies to move, um, in this regard, just because they're not, um, you know, they're not shipping any physical product for, for the most part, they just have to keep a server running. Um, and, a lot of it is like based in software development. A lot of which can be done remotely. Doesn't really rely as much on in-person meetings. In the software world, the idea of remote or distributed work has been much more commonplace. Whereas in the label world, uh, and in general, I've like found in like the finance world as well, uh, I feel like a lot of the culture around labels is not just around like in-person meetings, but also dealing with a lot of sensitive data um, and like having a lot of NDAs and obviously meeting a person is better for dealing with that. I think people are still looking into solutions for how you would have to, how you can successfully navigate that remotely. Um, but then also like, uh, yeah, on the recording side, unless you're an artist who is very like streaming heavy and that's your primary um, source of revenue on the recorded side, um, you have issues with basically all physical formats, like uh, vinyl manufacturing, CD manufacturing, um, those have all slowed down as well. So,
0: So we're seeing disruptions in those supply chains right now?
1: I think so or at least it's uh they've definitely slowed down I mean a lot of factories around the world have closed down temporarily um just to yeah avoid people lots of people gathering in one single location um yeah so there's that and then uh this is not so much remote work but in terms of the companies that are I've noticed are like even more in demand I think uh or I've heard of a lot of like smaller digital marketing agencies that are getting more work than ever now, actually, which which makes sense because I, I think there are a lot of artists and music companies now who are trying to figure out what are the best ways to engage with their audience online right now, and what's the best way to um, like foster community in in like a real, genuine way, not just to sell something, but like how do we best serve. Our audiences, let alone actually identify like where they are right now, like how how is their behavior shifting? And I think people who've been like trained in that for the very beginning and whose very job, or very company revolves around that, like being able to understand your audience better, um, let alone like communicate better with them over time in the long term. I think there's a lot that can be done there, whether with like one-off events, like uh, a lot of these like live streaming concerts that are happening, or just in general, how do you build a stronger brand online? There are a lot of agencies that already specialize in that, that I think are yeah. getting a lot a, a lot more work now.
0: Is some of the ability to adapt better, you mentioned streaming companies, software companies in general, digital agencies, how much of that has to do with sort of a digital native workforce to begin with?
1: Oh, I think it plays a really big role, yeah. In terms of, yeah, especially if, uh, if you're gonna work remotely, uh, you know, like being familiar with certain kinds of software that have only come out within the past like five, at most like six, seven years for sure. Uh, people who are much quicker to learn like newer kinds of software will adapt a lot more quickly. Um to, to go like specifically to, um, to artists and like album rollout strategies, a lot of which have kind of been modified or like postponed basically indefinitely um, because of the situation. I find that a lot of the artists impacted, a lot of the companies impacted are the ones that rely on more traditional um, promotion channels. So like uh, terrestrial radio um, yeah. as an example. Yeah, like that kind of, as I was alluding to before, it relies a lot on like face-to-face meetings. Like some artists will do entire tours, just going, visiting different radio stations. That is just impossible to do as well. And it is also very like legacy, not very digital native um, format at all. So, yeah, for sure, artists who um, rely on that to spread the word about their music uh, for sure are struggling as well.
0: You mentioned something in your piece um, that I think ties into this, which is this notion of marketing momentum and Mm -hmm. uh, how the breakdown of the ability to meet face to face is in a very, very real, tangible way impacting um, rollout strategy and rollout execution. Could you Talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, for sure. I guess just to to like zoom out, I'm just thinking about like every conversation, I guess more with a journalistic hat on that I have with artists who like want to pitch their music or like managers labels want to pitch their music. There's always the way that people like talk about upcoming releases and the way that they do the really hard work of like planning how that release happens. It's Mm -hmm. um, you want to create a sense of momentum and a sense that this artist is emerging and about to break the way I heard it once from someone working on the sync licensing side, is that like everyone wants to get on a moving bus. And in general, I feel like in society to an extent that is true, but especially in music where like emerging talent and being the first to invest in and work with emerging talent, that's like so much of the currency in, at least in like the mainstream industry and and, like certain other um, like smaller scenes as well. And so, but actually I I think people are realizing that building up that sense of the moving bus and building up that sense of momentum does take like months and months of planning and months and months of like reaching out to people um, and scheduling these in-person meetings, even with, um, I think I mentioned, yeah, like streaming curators. It's really interesting to me that the way that um, like playlist promotion with say a Spotify curator looks very similar to terrestrial radio in that like the artists are going into the Spotify offices and meeting with the editors um, and that's that's a lot of the the work that goes on, even on the streaming side, which is supposedly more digital native um, as far as marketing is concerned. So, yeah, and I, and I've talked in the last week or so with a lot of artists in particular who like haven't even released anything yet, and they they're about to release their first album, or they just scheduled a lot of um, a lot of co-writing sessions with songwriters. That that's actually a, a, a specific area of like the creative side of music that revolves so much around this culture of like gathering in person in a studio and seeing and like uh manifesting some kind of magic right like when everyone's in in person work there in person together um bringing something to life that still is very much a culture around songwriting and even around producing to an extent that just isn't possible anymore and so i have heard some stories of like songwriters now holding sessions over zoom which is kind of interesting because yeah that is like one of the only alternatives in the situation but um for sure the, the the dynamic is very different and so yeah i think about that as well it's, it's, it's not just thinking about the artists who have to like the lady gaga's of the world who now have to postpone their album releases it's like the the, the talent that's like just starting out um, what do you do in that situation if you're you've just started to take label meetings you've just scheduled co- co-writing sessions that are now not happening anymore um i've i, I think a lot of smaller artists are going in the direction of just um, making and releasing as much music as they can and just like making the most of the situation and not necessarily sticking to this like several week or several month plan that they initially um, carved out for themselves. Otherwise they will literally just be sitting around for several weeks doing nothing. And um, <laughs> money is definitely a consideration for these artists as well. So um, yeah, it's just like rewriting everyone's, everyone's playbook for, for the next couple months.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think that that's something that um, that fans or people who aren't necessarily observers of the music industry don't understand is that there's a notion maybe of a rock star as, um, you know, somebody rich and insulated from the realities of life. But oftentimes, um, like with any wealthy individual, um, you know, more money comes with more overhead. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times mm-hmm. artists are going on tour because they need to. They need, you know, it's yeah. their income. It's their job. Um separate from, uh, the creative outlet and how much they love doing it. It's something they, they need and have to do on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's always sort of a a bad, a bad idea to count somebody else's money and think that somebody else has it easier. Um, Mm -hmm. and it could be, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't know some may, some may not, but, um, a lot of these artists do need to be on the road. They knew they do need to be releasing music. Uh, I don't know if you saw earlier today. Um, I think it was released today. Uh, At Venue, the uh, you know the point of sale uh, company Mm -hmm. for uh, Mm -hmm. tour merch, put out a report, um, very stark. You know, before March, I think it was, or or the average weekly per heads on uh, merchandise sales for tours this year was something like five dollars and change. Okay. Um, And in the month of March, it was zero, and because nobody's on the road. Yeah. And so if you assume you know five dollars or so a head per fan, across all the fans going to concerts that's significant revenue for touring artists outside of ticket sales and sponsorship and everything else that they're getting in. Yeah. Um, So revenue streams are crumbling fast for everyone. Yeah. Um, And and to your point in your piece, the merchandisers who make the shirts and the merchandising Mm -hmm. uh, outlets who vend the shirts and all the people in the supply chain, uh, some of whom are very vulnerable in terms of their Mm -hmm. work status, work situation. Um, It's very difficult to, to watch this unfold. Uh, you talked a couple of times about the streaming companies. Um, have you seen much in the discussion or news uh, over the last few days about this notion that streaming numbers seem to be down yeah. um, over the month of March? what? Mm-hmm. Any thoughts or insight into that? What are you seeing and hearing?
1: Yeah. Um, I have so, so many thoughts on that. And yes, I've heard this <laughs> from multiple sources, both on like the macro financial analysis side and also from like individual artists and labels. A lot of them are seeing streaming, um, going down, at least, like, over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Spotify actually published a post on their blog that understandably didn't release any numbers, but um, had, I guess, gave some more context on what kinds of um, content actually was going up. So uh, I guess so, to, to backtrack a little bit, just to say some reasons why I think streaming has gone down, uh, I think maybe what some people knew, but not many people uh, realized most people didn't realize is that the access model so like the subscription model popularized by Spotify and then across other services as well also kind of inadvertently became like a background soundtrack kind of model at least in the way that Spotify like markets its own service it's like music for every mood music for every moment I think a lot of especially in the past couple of years a lot of the marketing assumes a constantly on-the-go lifestyle so like people are listening to likes of spotify like on their commute um to work they're listening to it at work to focus in like a specific office setting they're listening to it in the gym um, while working out or just in general in the background of other things and um all those parts of that like every day on the go routine are just uh not happening right now and podcast listening i think in the aggregate is also down for this reason um because pod- a lot of people listen to podcasts on the go especially in the car um, or, yeah, just yeah. on the commute in general. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, yeah, so, so, so those outlets are uh, just totally wiped out, and so people aren't listening to music in those specific contexts. Um, that said, one hypothesis I had that Spotify confirmed at least in their own blog posts is that a lot of people would listen to, uh, like, more calming or chill music at home, either to, like, calm their own nerves or just to, like, create the right environment um mm. you know, like while they're working from home um and so i think spotify said like a lot of their chill playlists which are very mood driven like the definition of like functional music um that's in- that's increased over time news podcasts specifically have um gone up recently which totally makes sense i think people are just in a mindset of like what's going to happen tomorrow like what's the latest update um because so much can change in a matter of days and so yeah it makes sense that that is up and then beyond music while audio streaming is down, um, TV and film streaming and gaming, I think both of those channels have gone up quite a bit. Um, yeah, there's a lot more activity on Netflix for sure. Um, and a lot more people are just playing games. A lot more people are live streaming in general, but especially, uh, like watching platforms like Twitch. So, um, or like on platforms, watching other people play games as well. And I, I think, yeah, there may be like a psychological aspect to that in that more long form immersive content like like a movie or a tv show or a game is um i guess two things one it, it is to some people a better form of escapism because it's all consuming it requires more
0: immersive.
1: yeah it's more immersive it's like vis- it's audio visual there are multiple elements to it whereas music is much easier to relegate into the background um, and then it it, it it does depend on who you are but in general people aren't spending time like on their commute or something and and they have more time to invest in the aggregate in this kind of immersive content maybe than they had previously. Um, And so, yeah, I I think that's a question a lot of people in the music industry are asking themselves in terms of how, maybe how to align with that more immersive content or at least that shift in behavior that's very clearly happening in terms of um, more people consuming games and movies and not so much the, at at least like music as it's presented in a streaming environment, which is very much like a background soundtrack kind of function.
0: In as much as uh, as, as you'd want to disclose at this point, I'd be curious to know what you think the interesting areas of inquiry or the interesting topics to explore coming out of this situation for the music industry will be both uh, on the business side, but in the relationship with consumers.
1: Yeah, um, interesting topic. So this is related to, um, to to the topic of just like music marketing in general and um, like album rollout strategies, how all that's changing. I, th- I think the model of artists releasing albums almost as a loss-leading advertisement for tours that allow them to make ends meet, uh, make a sustainable income That obviously, I mean, the whole touring side of that is uh, just not happening right now. So um, without that, there are are a lot of artists who are just relying on streaming income, which can be just like pennies or dollars for some artists. It's not really sustainable for a lot of them. Um, And so a lot of people are like questioning the sustainability of that kind of cycle in the first place. Like you release an album and then you go on tour with it um, and you have to spend like weeks or months touring um, in order to break even. Um, interestingly, so in, in like the, in the mainstream music industry, I think because people realized that streaming income alone wasn't sustainable for a lot of artists, um, or maybe this had to do with like billboard chart placement specifically, there was a lot of, there were a lot of attempts to bundle Mm. streaming consumption or like album sales with the various sectors of music that are also now suffering. So like ticket bundles. Like, you could get a digital download of the album with a tour. Merch bundles, you, if you bought a digital download of this album, you get free merch or some kind of digital collectible um, or, like, other, other kind of collectible. And, yeah, I, th- I think those became more popular because Billboard started, like, uh, counting them more in um, – or more officially in, in, in their chart rankings. And also, I think that – for yeah, for many reasons that we discuss is not going to be as relevant now like bundling in terms of bundling with like physical product or like in person experience.
0: So people um, have to actually like your music for you to have a number one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 what a concept. Yes. <laughs>
0: um,
1: yeah, so so related to that, I think one of the more interesting questions um, that a lot of artists and labels especially are facing is that um, Okay, so you take touring out of the picture. a lot of artists are just left with streaming and they realize that they haven't actually experimented with that much digitally as far as like Mm. fan experiences or let alone business models um, are concerned. And so live streaming is um, one of the like buzziest areas where a lot of artists and event organizers are investing in terms of um, taking live streaming more seriously, where previously it really was not prioritized at all by most artists. It was still seen as a kind of a niche or like, kind of side activity or nice to have rather than a must have or, or a necessity like it is now. Um, I've noticed a lot more activity on membership platforms. I think Patreon published a post on, uh, on its own blog from their head of data science, just about, I think it was like tens of thousands of members over 30,000 new artists have created pages in just the last couple of weeks. And they've also interestingly, had many more new patrons than um, than the amount of churn that they had because I guess you would expect in the current um, like economic situation a lot of people would cancel their their memberships or their payments to certain creators on Patreon but that's but actually gone up as well yeah so I think
0: we see that at light as well we're seeing mm. we're seeing increased demand for concert tickets for the concert tickets that are still on sale
1: interesting okay yeah yeah so anyways, uh, we
0: could talk about that later.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I membership is another avenue in terms of um recurring revenue directly from fans um that has a higher margin from the artist perspective compared to what they might be getting um in like royalty checks from streaming. Mm. Um, there's yeah, and with with live streaming, um this is not for every artist, but if you look at a platform like Twitch or YouNow, they have essentially the equivalent of a tipping function, so like fans can watch a live stream for free, but then buy this virtual currency that they can give to the artist, who can then exchange it um, for like real cash. So um, that's also like, that's a model that was considered emerging, but maybe very much normalized as more and more um, artists and people in music in general start live streaming more and then um, making fans more accustomed to the format as well.
0: That's amazing. Well, uh, I want to thank you very much for taking time to talk to me. Um, I very much enjoy the newsletter, and uh, thank you. I, I always look forward to it showing up. I, I really appreciate your insight, and I know lots of other people do as well because folks were asking me to get you on. And uh, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so amazing. thank you. Thank for, you. Yeah, yeah, thank you for helping me uh, to to meet consumer demand in my own way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yes. <laughs>
0: um, I hope that you and your family continue to stay safe and healthy. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and I thank you. Thank you so much to Sherry Yu. Thank you also to our editor, Craig Snyder. And thanks to Aunt Taylor and the entire team at Light. If you would like to subscribe to Sherry's newsletter or access her exclusive Patreon content, visit SherryU.com. You'll find the link in the episode notes. If you'd like to share your experience living in the new normal, hit me up at Lawrence at Light.com. That's L-A-W, R-E-N-C-E. At lyte.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and be safe.